0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics and all things in between. I'm Derek, and today we are on part six of Quan Mills' Old Thought Next Door. Um, In the last chapter, um, we had to deal with uh, Vernita's bratty-ass attitude uh, and finding out that her friend Alice was getting married. I mean, she got real snippy, like, I ain't seen, that was like four-year-old type attitude. That was like mean girl attitude. That was not cool. Um, And then we also saw her get her groove back uh, with the help of Terry and Lacey, whom she met at the club uh, after she got done lying to Alice um about why she had to go home early from their lunch and throwing the food that alice had bought her directly into the trash as you can see i still feel some sort of way about the levels of disrespect that happened in that uh situation but you know she got some dick now so maybe she'll be all right and you know she had a woman uh go down on her for the first time in her life which completely changed her, uh, blew her mind. Um, I am pleased to see that she keeps on getting her boundaries crossed. Um, That's probably not the best way to say it. Uh, It's more of her, not vices. There's a word. I'm going to think of it, and I'll probably come back to it later. I might forget. It's been happening a lot. But if it does, just know that uh, she's being taken out of her comfort zone, um, and which is good because her comfort zone is completely straight laced for her to be uh, such a freak. So, I mean, you need to, you need to let it go. If, if you're going to be a thought, you need to let all that go and just uh embrace what's happening to you because from what it seems like it's all good in the long run anyway with that said here's chapter 11 of Quan mills old thought next door i didn't know what time it was but i was suddenly awakened by the sound of loud laughing and constant thumping piercing my dark bedroom my hazy eyes slowly opened and i glanced over at my alarm clock and saw that it was nearly 3 p.m Child, I don't know what the hell came over me, but I sure did some crazy shit last night. That was the first time ever I had an experience like that. The crazy thing was most of the night now was a blurry memory. But the one thing I still had stitched in my mind was how that young girl ate my juicy box out like none other. I was still curious about what Terry gave me, but the more I laid in my bed, the more I realized that boy probably gave me one of those ecstasy pills or something like that. I ain't never messed with nothing like that before in my life, and I didn't know if I ever would do it again. I did have some fun, but that was a bit too much for me. All these crazy visuals almost had Vernita thinking she was about to go meet Clarence, my mama, my daddy, and all the rest of my dead people up in the upper room. I don't know how I managed to make it back home, but after I woke up, Terry helped me get a ride back to my car. From there, and by the grace of God, I drove straight back home, although my head felt like it was about to explode. The heaviest fatigue drenched my entire body, so as soon as I got back in my house, I went straight to sleep. What in the hell is all that noise? I mumbled to myself as I wiped my eyes and crawled out of the bed. With nothing on other than my bra and my underwear, I strolled over to my bedroom window and peeled the curtain back. I looked down next to the unit next to mine and saw a big-ass U-Haul moving truck and three Mexican-looking men moving boxes in and out. Guess the vacant townhouse next to mine finally got sold and a new person was moving in. I'd always wondered when someone was going to buy that place because it had been on the market for quite some time. My nerves frazzled. I was getting a bit irritated because I truly didn't want to wake up. But now that I was up, I figured I'd go take me a long hot shower and clean myself up. Child, I didn't even know if I let Terry come up in me. Although I was pretty much dying, shit, I still didn't want to get any diseases and shit. Ain't nobody got time to be getting AIDS and shit, especially when your ass already got the cancer. Uh Uh-uh, no ma'am. These Mexican movies were making a lot of noise, and I had it in me to go down there and cuss them the hell out for being so loud. Outside in the middle of the damn fucking cold speaking that Spanish and shit. But the more I thought about it, the more curious I became as to who exactly was moving in. I sure hope it wasn't these three amigos because, baby, let me tell you one thing. Them Mexicans are notorious for partying and carrying on. Baby, them Mexicans will be up till 3 a.m. in the morning, drinking Coronas and fucking up pinatas, even during the middle of the goddamn winter. I grunted as I rolled my eyes and quickly pulled the curtain back. Got me fucked up. Now I was too nosy and had to go see who my new neighbor was going to be. Deciding to take a shower later, I threw on a pair of jeans, a shirt, and a coat. I made my way outside and put on the biggest, fakest smile on my face. Excuse me. "'Excuse me!' I yelled out to get their attention away at them. "'Good afternoon, ma'am. How are you?' one of them said. He was a short, pudgy man with a thick-ass mustache. "'I'm doing fine. Y'all my new neighbors?' I asked myself as I stood there, beginning to shiver. These temperatures were beginning to drop. Felt like it was 20 degrees outside. "'No, ma'am. We're just the movers.' "'Oh, okay. Well, where are they?' I want to meet him, my nosy ass replied. One of the other movers, some tall and slender young man, said, they went to the store. They should be back shortly. I took a good look at him and, oh my, this Mexican boy was very handsome. Although it was so frigid outside, this boy had on this tight-fitting black t-shirt that snugged every muscle on his upper body. His biceps were the size of pineapples and his shoulders were so thick and broad. He had a well-shaped beard that wrapped around his chiseled light brown face. I looked deep in his eyes and felt my heart almost skip a beat. Damn, I replied with my mouth flung wide open. I took a quick scan of his legs and he had on some gray sweatpants. My eyes instantly flashed wide open when I realized this boy had a burrito of a dick print bulging right in front of me. As soon as I saw that dick print, I swear my pussy started having multiple seizures. Damn, damn, damn! I said, and then clutched my mouth in surprise once I realized I had zoned out. Excuse me, he said with a raised brow. Suddenly the air felt awkward, and I said back to him, "I'm sorry. I'm I'm just, I'm just a bit up in age and a bit hard of hearing." What'd you say now, baby? Oh, no worries," he said, smiling, revealing the whitest, prettiest teeth. "I just said they went to the store and they should be back shortly." They left out about 10 minutes ago. This boy had to have been a model or something because he looked just so damn exotic. Child, let me make sure I got that doctor appointment ASAP because this Mexican boy is giving Vernita a reason to live. You hear me? Okie dokie. Thank you so much. I said, reaching my hand out. I'm Vernita, by the way. Do you have a card? I might need y'all's moving service one day. Yes, ma'am. My name is actually Juan and I'm the owner. These two other guys are my older cousins, he said. I looked at the two other older men and nodded at them and then threw my attention right back to Mr. Juan. He pulled out his wallet and then pulled out a business card and handed it to me. Thank you, I said to him smiling. I'll give you a call later on this week. I have another house out in the suburbs that I got some stuff in that I want to move. Cool beans. We offer great discounts, Juan said thanks we'll be in touch i spun around and made my way back into the house child i came out here ready to cuss these men out to them meeting some new possible dick mexican dick at that baby i was gonna stuff that burrito down my throat as soon as possible back inside i stormed straight into my room and peeled the curtains back and watched juan and his two cousins chop it up as they moved furniture and boxes from the u-haul truck to inside the house Although I had a raging headache, I suddenly mustered up the strength to want to play with my pussy as I fantasized about Mr. Juan. Baby, this sex drive of mine was really flaring up. If I didn't get my shit together, my pussy was going to fall up out of me and die before I did. I jetted into my bedroom, popped a few astronauts, and then expeditiously made my way over to the bed. I took off all my clothes and got completely naked. Once I lay down, I rushed to my nightstand and pulled out Mr. Cummings. My favorite high power vibrating dildo. Mr. Cummings had been resting comfortably in the darkness of the nightstand, collecting all types of dust. I used use this bad boy in a hot minute. Once I plugged into a nearby wall outlet, I powered it on, spread my legs and let that motherfucker work this big clit of mine. Now you'd think this pro would be a little bit sore from last night, but it sure wasn't. This little pussy in mine still had at least 20 or 30 orgasms left in it for the day. Closing my eyes, I plowed Mr. Cummings in and out of me. He was about a good 10 inches long. My snatch could handle that motherfucker, too. As my hips and ass gyrated in the bed, my moans filled the dark bedroom. I visualized Mr. Juan fully naked as he laid on top of me and thrust his big dick in and out of me. His big nut slapping my ass. Damn, damn, damn. Shit, baby! My groans were getting louder, and now I had already came twice. I wasn't gonna stop until I squirted. I wanted to squirt so bad. I wanted to drench these sheets up. Fuck me, Juan! Keep on fucking me. Fuck this pussy! Bzz, bzz, bzz. All of a sudden, my eyes shot wide open, and I was immediately distracted by the sound of my phone vibrating on the dresser. Trying my best to ignore the phone call, I closed my eyes, and once again, I saw Mr. Juan back on top of me, pumping that burrito in and out of me, but the goddamn cell phone kept vibrating, and the noise of it now was overpowering the sound of Mr. Cummings. I figured whoever it was calling me would get the motherfucking cuter. the bitch didn't want to be bothered right now, and they would just need to call me back later, but the phone kept vibrating. Mm, I grunted and snapped the dildo out of me and tossed it off to the side of her bed. I hopped out of the bed and dashed over to my phone. I didn't quite recognize the phone number, but I quickly answered. Hello? Who is this? Miss Benita, it's Sade. My face scrunched in confusion. Sade? I shook my head. I don't know no damn Sade. Wrong number. Miss Benita, stop it. This Alice's daughter. She had a heart attack. She in the hospital. I suddenly clutched my chest. I guess I was too tired and horny to realize this indeed was Sharday, Alice's daughter. She occasionally did my hair. Lord, child, I just woke up and I was confused for a second. Wait, wait a minute. Alice had a heart attack. Is she okay? Is she, she just had a, you, She had, She said she had a heart attack. Why are you asking if she's okay? You know what? I don't know. All I know is I got a call from one of my cousins telling me that they found Mama passed out in the house and they called 911. That's all I know, and I ain't got nobody to come pick me up, she cried. Her sobs were so loud and intense that I knew this wasn't no joke. Reality set in, and I began to panic. Okay, oh okay, let me put my clothes on. I'm going to be at your apartment in 15 minutes. Oh, Lord, please let everything be okay, I sobbed. Please hurry up, she begged. I'm going to be there. Just calm down, Okay. Okay, I heard her mumble and then she hung up, tears running down my face. I didn't want anything bad to happen to my friend. Although I was feeling jealous about Alice and her new love life and all the newfound happiness, I truly didn't want anything bad to happen to her. She didn't deserve it. Once I had my clothes back on, I zipped out of the house and made my way down to Chardet's apartment. From there, we zipped to Rush University Hospital. God, please just let my friend be okay. Don't do her like this. I was supposed to go first. Okay, uh, given the circumstances with Bernita, I don't know if that last line I was supposed to go first was, is because she didn't want to die before her, she didn't want to see her friend die before she did, or because she wanted her friend to mourn her at her funeral the way that she deserved to be mourned, and she didn't want to have to mourn Alice. but I mean, she just told you that she had a heart attack. So when you come back and say, is she okay? What do you want me to tell you? Like, right? no, she wasn't okay a few seconds ago, but now that you double checked with me, it turned out it was just a paper cut. What's on your mind here? Also, it seemed like every single chapter she has some sort of like stereotype or some sort of thing that just gets cleared out of her head by the end of the chapter she had a problem with will and markel being uh bisexual she got over that real quick she had a problem with um well she had a problem with being uh she had a problem with cunning lingus being performed on her by lacy She got over that multiple times. Now she got a problem with uh, Juan or Mr. Juan until she saw he had a big ass dick. And now she want to fuck him. I mean, as long as she keep getting over these stereotypes and I'm just like, yo, if you can't tell me that you walk around Chicago with all these fucking stereotypes in your head, fam. Like, I guess you can, especially if you're older. But it's just like, yo, like can we gather all these together and you just get over them all at once? Like, can we just build it up like like a challenge mode for you where you just get all over all of these stereotypes and, and issues and I still ain't thought of the word yet, but all of it at once, hang ups. Has she taken it up the ass yet? Like, I think she did. I think she did. I ain't gonna go back to the boat. That's a lot. Hopefully, Alice is okay because she deserves to see uh, Miss Renita go first, and then not even fly back from the Bahamas. Don't let a woman die right before she's supposed to have a have a happy wedding. Unless, ooh, unless Lamar poisoned her ass. Chapter 12. Sitting in this cold ass hospital room, I was completely devastated. The doctors had informed us that Alice had suffered a major heart attack and that she had been placed into a medically induced coma for the time being. This was so gut wrenching because just as my friend was beginning to celebrate the start of a new life, she was now unconscious and probably in a lot of pain. As I sat by her bedside, I rubbed her stiff, cold hand, I was trying my best to fight back these tears, but Lord knew if the doctor came in and delivered us some more devastating news, I was just going to break down. Alice had all types of tubes and shit running in and out of her mouth, nose, and arms. The constant chirping of all those machines reminded reminding me too much of when I first learned I had cancer. This was so traumatizing and a part of me wanted to get up and get some cool air just to simmer my nerves. But I had to stay. I had to be there for my friend. I leaned over into her ear and whispered, Everybody's here, baby. This is Vernita. We love you so much. We need you to get better. Please don't die on us. I lowly sobbed. I closed my eyes and said a small prayer, hoping God would reverse the situation. But then as I sat there, something strange hit me. Where the hell was her fiance at? This Mr. Lamar. It seemed pretty strange that he hadn't been here. Did anybody tell him what happened? Then again, did anyone have his contact information? I looked around the room and at Chardé, along with her nieces and nephews as they just sat in the silence. They were all devastated, too. Did anyone get in touch with Lamar? I had to ask. Yeah, I did, said Mitch, one of Alice's grandsons, but he ain't pick up his phone, though. Alice had three children, Janice, Paul and Chardé. Unfortunately, Janice died some years ago. Paul was currently incarcerated, so Chardell is pretty much Alice's only child who was still around to help her out here and there. Gosh, I just felt so bad for that child. You tell your dad what happened? I asked Mitch. Not yet. He's on lockdown. "Oh. Oh, okay. I simply replied and threw my attention back to Alice. Continuing to rub her hand, I got lost in my own dreary thoughts and thought about my own looming mortality. This wasn't right at all. I was supposed to be the first to go, not Alice. None of this was sitting right with me. Starting to feel a bit nauseated, I proceeded up out of my chair and looked at Sade. Come on, let's go smoke a cigarette. We need to have a break. We're not going to know anything until a few more hours, I said. Chardet agreed and then stood up. The two of us exited the ICU. A good five minutes later, she and I were out in the dark, gray evening in the designated smoking area of the hospital. Although I didn't smoke cigarettes like that, I sure didn't need one right now. Some nicotine, a shot of brown liquor, and even some briefer was what I need to simmer this damn headache and fatigue I had going on. Charday pulled out her pack of Newport's and handed me a cigarette. She slapped one in her mouth, lit it up, and then passed me the light. As we stood there silently taking puffs on our cigarettes, the chilly air somewhat provided relief to this lingering headache. Although I was quite certain it was still from that damn ecstasy pill or whatever that nigga gave me last night, I had to be conscious of the fact that I had a ticking time bomb growing in my head. Maybe this was it. Maybe the tumor was going to finally grow and start to really begin to send my health on a decline. I took another drag from the cigarette, hoping the nicotine would calm my nerves, but it did nothing but amplify my anxiety. Having spent the last couple of hours by Alice's bedside was a bittersweet reminder that one day I was going to be in that very position. Unlike Alice, though, I didn't have any grandchildren and others who would be there to surround me. And that was exactly why I needed Alice to live. (laughs) She was the only one who at the end of the day truly cared for me and I knew who would be there once this sickness really began to take over my body. Knowing all this, I felt so bad and guilty knowing that just yesterday she expressed how she was more worried about me and concerned that her new love life would distract from our friendship. A long, cold tear dripped my eye, and once again, I found myself fighting back the urge to break down and cry. This is so messed up. Mama was so happy. This is the happiest I'd ever seen her in years. This is just so fucked up. I'm mad as hell right now. Like I, I just want to hurt somebody. Chardé sobbed. I'm mad too. But we just got to be thankful that at least she's still alive right now. We don't know what's going to happen. We just got to pray if the doctors have some good news for us, I told her. I truly felt bad for Sade. She was exceptionally close to her. Sade was a bit on the ratchet side, and she lived in some housing project over in Bronzeville. She was once a cute girl, but life seemed to have gotten the best of her lately. Although she was a hairdresser, her hair was an actual mess. She had a patchy short afro. The darkest circles were painted around her jaundiced eyes. Her mouth was filled with a few crooked, rotten teeth. She had a tooth missing here and there. In many ways, she took on Alice's weak nature and let men run all over her. In fact, with all the stories Alice used to tell me, it seemed like Chardet was Alice on steroids. You know they say the leaf don't fall too far from the tree. Well, shit. In Charday's case, the leaf was still on the motherfucking tree. Shaking her head and wiping her face free of tears, Charday took a long drag from her cigarette and then tossed it into a light blanket of snow on the sidewalk. I'm gonna go back inside. Thank you, Miss Bernita, for being there for Mama. You know you're her number one role dog. She said, cracking a faint smile. Alice is my girl. I gotta be there for her no matter what, I said, smiling right back at her. I tossed a half-smoked cigarette into the snow, then trailed Sade back into the hospital and into the ICU. Making our way past the nursing station, from afar I had noticed a few more folks were standing around Alice's room door. Those must have been Alice's people and word was probably spreading quickly that she was in the ICU. Wow, this hospital sure did have a very relaxed visitor's policy though. Although they were Alice's kinfolk, I didn't like the sight of this at all. She didn't need all these damn people up in her room like this. Damn, they just gonna let everybody come up and visit her? I grunted to myself. Chardé heard what I said and then looked back at me saying, well, look by eyes. I don't know who any of these people are. We got closer and then Sade said, excuse me, who is y'all? Oh. uh. We're Mr. Hawk and security. Sorry for the disturbance, but we got clearance from the nurse so we could be back here. Sharday looked back at me and then at the two fellows standing near the door. Security? Why Lamar got security? One of the men, who's this tall chocolate fellow, scrunched his eyebrows and said, because uh, he needs security? Who in the hell was this Lamar figure? I was so thoroughly confused. Damn, I kind of had the idea that this Mr. Lamar had some money, but security? I threw a nervous gawk at the gentleman and then strolled into the room. But baby, once I entered that room, I almost had a heart attack my damn self. Once my eyes sat on the Mr. Lamar, I realized God was playing a really big ass joke on me. I had to blink twice just to make sure that this is who I really thought it was but it surely was. I knew it was him just by that shiny bald head and goatee of his. I knew this Mr. Lamar. I knew him pretty well, actually. I had fucked this nigga. Yes, child, I was bouncing all over his dick. No rubber either. I met Lamar some years back when I went on this month long Caribbean cruise. I was so ashamed to admit this at this very moment, but baby, He was some good vacation dick, too. Lamar was sitting next to Alice's bedside holding her hand, and he hadn't noticed me yet. With millions of butterflies filling my stomach, I quickly tried to dash back out of the room because I didn't want him to recognize me. Immense guilt again filled me, and I didn't know how to navigate the hell out of this crazy, precarious situation. Lord, Lord, Lord. Why are you doing this to me, I suddenly thought to myself as I dashed back out of the room and zipped down the quiet ICU hallway. I had to get to a bathroom immediately because I was going to vomit all over the place. I have fucked my best friend's fiance. Scrambling near the elevators, I asked someone who looked like a nurse where the closest bathroom was at. And once they pointed me in its direction, I took off running and ran inside. I found the closest stall locked it, and began to puke all over the place. I barely had anything in my stomach, but what I did have came all the way up. The walls felt like they were closing in and my chest tightened. My ass was going to die tonight. I heard the doors to the bathroom's wish open. Miss Bernita, is everything all right? That had to have been Sade. She must have noticed I zipped out of that room like a track and field athlete. Y- yeah, I stammered. I'm fine. Just these meds got me a bit nauseous. I probably should have never smoked that cigarette, I lied. Oh, okay. Well, just let me know if you need me to get a nurse, she said. I will, I said, and then I heard her leave out the bathroom. I plopped myself up off the floor of the stall and exited out, making my way over to the closest sink. I splashed some water on my face just to make sure this is all still real. Wow. Wow, wow, I fucked my best friend's man. Now, how in the world was I going to explain this to her? The more I thought about it, the more it dawned upon me, though, that Lamar was rolling in some big money. Staring in the mirror, I tried my hardest to remember what he had told me he did when we met on the cruise. My memory was so shot by now. I think he told me he did something in real estate or construction. However, my mind kept shooting blanks. I had it in me to just dip out the hospital and take my trifling ass back home. But if I did that, everyone would be concerned. Besides, when and if Alice woke up from her coma, I was going to eventually have to reconnect with Lamar. How in the world was I ever going to explain this to Alice? Personally, I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, I think they're building up drama where there don't need to be drama because she... Fuck this nigga months, let's see, years back, she fucked this nigga years back, now, I know this is six months after she found out she had brain cancer, but six months ago, they were still going to uh, the Stepper's Lounge, going on blind dates and shit, Uh, Alice was being seen with old wrinkly niggas so she wasn't dating lamar then i don't i don't see what the big fucking deal is i'm just glad lamar didn't try and murder her ass that's what i thought it happened i kind of want to know what all the securities were like what exactly does this nigga do but it was funny when they were like because he needs security like damn the nigga needs security he's obviously rich but you can't make this about you and that's exactly what she did like that's why i paused at the part where she was like i need alice to live longer than me so then when i die have somebody to take care of me like that is low-key trifling maybe not even low-key but yeah man i mean i guess that's how it really happens like somebody talks somebody's your best friend they talk shit about you and then they find out that you in trouble and it's like oh my god not my homie like i i i can't get down like that if you're gonna talk shit behind my back please talk shit to my face so then i know that we ain't cool no more or if you're gonna talk shit behind my back please talk to me about it in my face so then we can discuss it and I can uh, probably fuck you up, but Lamar's not an issue, and I hope Alice won't be mad about that because that was years before they met. So if I'm Alice, my mindset is just like, oh, for real, he got good dick, huh? That would have been the conversation. That would be how it worked because this was on a cruise. Like this is this is a huge fucking kowinkadink, huge. Also, nigga, stop smoking. You got cancer. So that is chapters 11 and 12 of uh, Old Thought Next Door. I will be back uh, with another two chapters tomorrow. We are more than halfway through this book. Um, I do wanna thank y'all so much for rolling with me. Uh, Please leave a five star review wherever you listen to the show at. If you listen to the show anywhere that doesn't allow you to leave a five star review, just go to iTunes. Um, Also, if you wanna email us, our email address is ratchet and ratchet at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Ratchet Book Club. Again, thank you so much for uh, rolling with me. I really do appreciate it. I'm having a lot of fun reading this book cutting myself off every, uh, two chapters. Like I am not reading any further than I'm reading to y'all. So this is all brand new to me as well. Um, unless you're listening to this, like 20 years after the podcast has been completed at which obviously I know what the fuck's going to happen next. You don't, (laughs) ha ha. Um, that was petty. I feel like Vernita now also just between me and you, she spells reefer R E E F U R that shit is hilarious. Um, but yeah, thank y'all so much for checking us out. Um, check us out on Twitter. Uh, we we're building up followers. Let us know you're out there. Take a screenshot of the show. Send it to us at Ratchet Book Club. Um, and yeah, y'all be good. We're out. Peace.